Everybody seems pretty fed up with Kevin O'Connell's play calling and considering that he was brought in to be an offensive whiz. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Welcome to the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers. I love hearing from you. I love you guys are all sending me your Spotify raps. If you, if you listen on Spotify, you can, in fact, find this show wherever you find your favorite podcast, whether it is Spotify or somewhere like SiriusXM which we are partnered with. You can also find live broadcasts of all the games on SiriusXM as well. If you are new, what's up? My name is Luke Braun. It's nice to meet you. You can find this show Monday through Fridays also on uh, Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can also find the show on YouTube. It is Thursday, but we got no crossover because we have no game. It's the bye week. But... Nevertheless, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. So one of the biggest talking points right now is, is about Kevin O'Connell's play calling. This is a big buzzword. Is he a good play caller, a bad play caller? And that's such a vague question. We should talk about it for a half an hour. <laughs> Uh, and the way I want to approach this is for one, what makes a good bad? What do we want from the play calling? Like what, how do we judge if Kevin O'Connell is a good play caller or a bad play caller without getting caught up in the trap of hindsight? You know, if it works, it's good. And if it doesn't work, it's bad, which we can get really caught up in. And, and that's kind of the way that like the narrative is always going to form. And there's not much you can do about that. But I think you and I, dear listener, can be a little smarter, Right. Um, so let's try not to get caught up in, well, you know, he did the run plays at the end of the game and they didn't work. Therefore, bad plays, therefore bad play callers. I think that's the logic in a lot of people's minds that maybe not even consciously, uh, but it's just kind of where our brains go. And I want to combat that because I think that's a little bit reductive. Might not be wrong. Like I do disagree with those play calls, but you can't make the same leaps of logic, right? So let's first establish an expectation. What do we want out of Kevin O'Connell. And then next time we see the Vikings play against the Raiders, we can kind of revisit and say, did we see what we wanted to see in general out of Kevin O'Connell? And if we aren't seeing what we want right now, why is that? That's kind of the next question that we'll ask on the show. And then we can try to figure out, okay, what can we change moving forward, whether we're going forward with Dobbs or not? Um, you know, obviously it's a little bit complicated, but we will get to that at the end of the show. But first, I just want to establish an expectation. When I want to criticize play calling for Kevin O'Connell, for one, I f personally, I want to have at least a sense for what he was going for, right? Nobody calls the two-yard run play, right? That play probably wanted to go long. You probably wanted more out of that one. Nobody calls the incompletion on third, on second and 10. Nobody calls the interception play, right? Um... And while an interception might happen and you can say, man, that was a bad play call and that partially led to the interception, we can sort of assign that. I think that process, that thought process of like diagnosing a problem before proposing a solution to it 
is a pretty healthy way to think about like a lot of things in life, but it, especially decisions like play calling where your headset cuts off 15 seconds before the play clock goes out. So a whole bunch of stuff happens that you don't have a lick of control over. Um, and that's the world that you live in, right? But every play looks great if it works and every play looks bad if it doesn't especially in the did you get too cute or did you get too conservative kind of dichotomy that exists. You know, a third and one happens. If you run it straight up the gut and get stuffed, you go, God, what a boring play. Call. What happened to the fancy stuff? Uh, and if you do something fancy and it's a disaster, like the Josh Jobs fumble a couple weeks ago, oh my God, getting way too cute. Come on, just go north-south, you know, simplify it and all that. And similarly, you do something super razzle-dazzly and get uh, a first down. I think about there was a fourth and one last year against the Lions that iced the game. The Lions, uh, in, when the Vikings went to Ford Field, that was a pass to Penny Sewell. I don't think a single play call got more discussion of, uh, going about Ben Johnson that year than that. I think of that whole season, that was the play call that Ben Johnson got the most praise for. I, I, you tell me what you think you would hear if that thing didn't go. If Penny Sewell dropped that pass because he's not a receiver, you go, oh my God, that was this way too cute. And you let the Vikings back in the game, blah, 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 right? So let's combat this and ask, what is our expectation? What do we want from Kevin O'Connell? Like think uh, qualitatively, not necessarily, um, you know, I want good offense. Okay, but how do we get there? Do I want a lot of deep shots? With Dobbs? Yeah, kind of. I mean, he missed on a really bad deep shot uh, where with Jordan Addison wide open against the Bears. That one was rough, right? How much do we trust that deep ball? Hey, if it's Jaron Hall, might ask for some deep balls. He's got a good deep ball. I like his deep ball better than I like Dobbs's deep ball. Um, And with Justin Jefferson coming back, like how much do we want to push the ball down the field versus how much do we want to prioritize rhythm and timing? Um, I went into an entire thing yesterday about Josh Dobbs and rhythm and timing. And since it's not that great, with him, I would say if Dobbs is still going to remain the quarterback, taking the focus away from rhythm and timing and more on, you know, deeper passing where the rhythm doesn't have isn't necessarily as, you know, beat to beat precise it is as, as it is on like quick game or, or five step drops, you know, that are trying to hit windows into hook zones. Um, I would be in favor of that. So I would love to see the ball push downfield a little bit more. If you wanted to argue that really what we should be doing is a bunch of quick game and easy passes to get easy completions because Josh Dobbs is is struggling, uh, or you know maybe we do that, we go to a Nick Mullins offense with a bunch of spacing, I can be sympathetic to that. You can make that argument. I think that's totally valid. I'll, I'll decide to go a different direction. But I don't think that there's uh, just one answer to the question of what we expect from play calling. Um but what I also expect is variety. Uh, and, and I think O'Connell has done a good job. There is a good variety to these plays. The they, they aren't just spamming the same thing over and over and over and over again. I think that that's what the Bears did to the Vikings on Monday night. They spammed the same thing over and over and over and over again. They didn't score a touchdown. They had one play that went longer than 10 yards. It was a pretty bad offensive game plan until the clock sort of warped the defensive strategy and... and um, the circumstances changed there, but that isn't what we want from play calling typically, right? When they're, when, when you're talking about, oh my God, you know, they, they threw behind the sticks more than they ever did. They basically just lived in these perimeter screens. That's not like 
very difficult to defend <laughs> defensively. Like that's not a very uh, prolific offense. That's just not going to have a lot of variety. It's not going to be very dynamic. Um, so I want to see variety when, when you drop back to pass, I want to be able to see your kind of classic one, two, one, two concepts where there's, this is, this is the O'Connell offense. The drop back offense has a sort of one, two read on one side and then a one, two read on the other side. Usually it's predetermined which goes first and which goes second because it's timed out that way. You know, the, the first read breaks, the second read breaks, then the third read breaks, then the fourth read breaks. Um, but Typically, you'll have those plays and each one looks a little different. You'll have, you know, a, a corner and an under. And then the next time you'll have a corner and and a an out and then a, uh, a deep route and a return or something like that. And then you'll run choice, which is a different deal. There's a lot of different ways it can go and different ways that all of those concepts attack all the different coverages that you're going to see. So if a defense is just going to chill in their cover two base all day long, eventually you're going to call the thing that's a hard counter to it and get a great play. Um, and, and having each coverage be attacked in a different way makes it really difficult on a, a defensive play caller. So that's one thing I want. I want, I want variety. I want aggression to be appropriate to the quarterback that's in, I guess is, is how I'll phrase that. And then the other thing I want is situational mastery, right? I don't want, this is where the criticism of what happened at the end of the game comes in, where I don't want to be up with three minutes left and the other team has three timeouts, I don't want to go, um, you know, super condensed run, super condensed run, give up, draw play, punt. I want to attempt to convert that series. And I'm not talking about taking big risks in that spot, but hey, you know, run stick, run a quick hitch, right? Or spread it out and then run there. Or do a jet sweep, do something, right? That isn't necessarily as much of a telegraph for the run, especially because you know that the defense is going to commit to the run. And when the defense is going to behave that predictably, subverting it ain't so bad an idea. Um, so are we getting those things is the next question. Will we get them in the future now that we've sort of established? I, I think I put together kind of three pillars of a decent expectation. Um, are we getting those things? And if not, what can we do about it? That's where we have to go next on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It is not your grandmama's DFS where you're putting together an entire lineup and going and entering into an impossible pool with 600,000 other people and hoping that you get super, super lucky with an outlier. No, it's just you versus the house. It's a way simpler game. Two to six of your favorite players. Do you like the more than or the less than? And we play it every week on Fridays here on Locked on Vikings, or at least Fridays when there's a game coming up. Um, their amounts are like pretty all over the place too. So I, I would recommend that you check it out. I think there's a lot of edges to be gained with prize picks uh, and the uh, amounts that the house sets there. If you want to get involved, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL, code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
Thanks again to my hashtag everydayers, those of you who listen to this show every single day. When you're done with this, I would love it if you went and checked out my Patreon piece on Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, and I've done a whole bunch of stuff on Jaron Halls. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash NFL. The one I just did is 75 minutes long on those guys. It's it's like just about every drop back and a bunch of uh, talk about Mullins and his skill set, and so you can learn kind of what he offers as we navigate this decision. And of course, there's also an article at Wide Left that's a little bit more like pared down and a and, uh, little bit less of just like a here's every one of my notes dump. So uh, go check those out. As for us now, let's ask, okay, why are we or aren't we getting what we want based on that expectation? So the first expectation that I set is, does this offense match its quarterback? And I think right now it's no, right? Like I said, everything is very precisely timed and that precision is very important. On yesterday's show, I went into a ton of detail about that. So if you're interested, go check that out. Or or if you're really interested in watching film and stuff, go check out the Patreon piece of the Wide Left article. Um, But it's Dobbs is not a rhythm quarterback right now. He is not timing things out properly. Kevin O'Connell said as much, and you can see it on tape. So being in that offense is not matching the quarterback that we have. So I would say, yeah, that is a play calling issue that needs to go be solved. And I think O'Connell has acknowledged this, is aware of it. A a big part of play calling is not necessarily what percentage of your play calls were good. And I, I sometimes I'll see like analytic models that are attempting to make that declaration, but really that's just going to turn into an offensive success metric. Uh, which, you know, like there's, it's really going to be difficult to edit out all of the moving parts that go into an offense and isolate play calling without any execution because no play gets called without having to be executed, right? Instead, I think the, the mark of good play calling is adaptation. How do you change when it goes bad? So we've got a couple games that, go, that went bad here, right? You have one, you go have the Broncos game and Dobbs doesn't do well and you go, okay, let's not overreact, you know, let's, let's not panic. Let's let's keep this try, let's keep this attempt going. Bears game happens. Now it's a bit of a pattern. Okay, so what do we do about it? And how that problem gets approached is, I think, going to be to tell us a lot more about how good Kevin O'Connell is as a play caller than you listening to my opinions about whether or not it was right to call stick on that second and ten. Right, like but that's not going to teach you as much. But what I will say right now is that we that's kind of that's not an X in the box, right? That's a blank box. We, we have not checked that box yet uh, in terms of, you know, pushing the ball downfield and getting rhythm out of the the offense uh, in terms of the other thing, which is variety. I think we very firmly do have that, um, at least in the passing game. You have multiple different kinds of play action. There's play passes which stay in the pocket. There's movement, which is like the bootlegs. That's a lot of different run game stuff to have to deal with. Um, the drop back pass game is extremely versatile. They will call, I, I think they called um, the seven under thing. Like they, they'll go to that maybe five or six times a game. That's probably the most they go to anything. Uh, they'll, they'll call Y choice, you know, two, three times a game. But every concept is going to be something that you get two to three times a game. Or the course of, you know, 60 plays. Um, you know, 45, 50 dropbacks because they pass so much. Um, you're going to have to see 25 different concepts and you're going to have to be prepared for 25 different concepts. That makes the opponent's week of practice pretty difficult. So 
I think you do check that box. So we're one for two here. And then when it comes to the situational stuff, I've been crowing about this all year. I think they've been pretty poor at those situational moments, um, both in like execution, you know, but I think the situational philosophy that Kevin O'Connell has in those situations, when you have a one score lead with two and a half to three minutes remaining and you can get rid of all of the opponent's timeouts, that's not a good enough performance from the offense for me, but it is good enough for O'Connell. He clearly just disagrees with me on that. So I do not anticipate that that changes. Um, he did say like, oh yeah, we'll look at it. And you did lose two games off of that now. And you gave the saints an opportunity and a third one that the defense just got to stop with a, with a Cam Bynum interception, but, or it was a Byron Murphy interception, but I don't know. Feels like that, that, that is not maximized. You're not maximizing that opportunity to seal a game there. Right. Um, that's, I guess where I would be there. And then the other factor to this, that's really important is where does the, Josh Dobbs newness come in and how is that affecting the play calling? That's a comment that I get a lot when I'll, uh, when I'll criticize the play calling is, or criticize O'Connell is, well, yeah, but he's got, you know, Dobbs just got here, right? He still doesn't know the rhythm and timing. Like, of course he doesn't know the rhythm and timing. That's not his fault. And I agree with that. It's not his fault at all. Of course he doesn't. Um, part of that is the coaching decision to leave him in kind of places that problem on O'Connell. Anytime O'Connell wants to stop living like that, he can make that choice and he hasn't yet, which we can criticize. Um, but also I think that can sometimes get overblown. I, I want to be very clear. They have a full complement of plays, the variety and the 25 different pass concepts and all that stuff that they will run in a given game. Kirk was doing the same amount that Dobbs is doing when it comes to that. And I would bet that if you just like sat Josh Dobbs down and like quizzed him on the playbook, I would bet that he would ace it. I, I would not expect him to get a single thing wrong. The familiarity issue has evolved beyond, okay, he just doesn't know what the plays do at all, which was the Falcons thing. And then we've got all kinds of myth about that. Um, mythology <laughs> legend, maybe it's a better word, but now he knows where that ball is supposed to go, right? He knows that this is the first read, this is the second read, this is the third read, and he probably knows the why of it all too because that's very important to O'Connell's coaching style. Um, but he just doesn't have a lot of practice executing it in the particular way that this offense demands. Um, the way a five-step drop worked in Arizona is going to be a little different than the particular rhythm that a five-step drop needs to work with in Minnesota and those differences cause issues. Again, I went into a ton of detail on that yesterday. So if you're interested, go check that out. Where that puts us is you can call whatever you want. O'Connell has the full menu in front of him, but you cannot expect consistent execution on all of it, which may change the way you approach certain downs and distances. Um you might not want to put all your eggs in a particular basket on a particular concept. You might be a little bit more willing to pass on first down because if that goes wrong, you still have two downs to make up for it versus doing that on second and 10. And if you mess up because the rhythm wasn't right and you're left with a third and 10, you might be a little bit more inclined to try to run on a second and 10 and at least get something there. So the third down doesn't, you know, a third and seven is a lot easier than a, than a third and 10, right? It's a, a question of trust really. 
uh, trust in execution and trust in consistency. Are we going to mess up two of every seven of these? And if so, how does that change the way that we, you know, split all these off? And how does that change all of our frequencies? So that's the situation we're in right now. We kind of only have one of the three boxes. So I say, yeah, that's, that's probably not doing great. So what can we do about it? How can we solve these problems on the fly and rise to that challenge that is really what separates the men from the boys in coaching? Thank you so much to today's sponsor, which is DoorDash. DoorDash is a very clutch option for uh, your favorite tired podcaster <laughs> who is way too tired to cook anything, uh, definitely too tired to like get in the car and like go pick something up and all that. We're not going out to eat in the middle of the season. We got work to do. I just need something delivered directly to my door. So DoorDash has been very, very helpful to me in those particular moments. And also, it's been able to acquaint me with my neighborhood a little bit better. And uh, there's, I've been able to find, I just found a place where I can get a great breakfast burrito, which is not great news for my waistline. But hey, that's fine. I can, I can actually walk to it and pick it up too, which saves me a buck as well. So go to uh, the DoorDash app, download it on in the App Store, Google Play, or whatever. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, if you are new, bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That means you can take anybody. You can take the Cowboys who play Thursday night football. They're eight and a half point favorites. You can take their money line at FanDuel. Last I looked at it, it was minus 500. Uh, you can get 150 ba bucks back in bonus bets if the Cowboys indeed win. Uh, and you can get even heavier favorites if you want to try them. You can get 30 to one odds, basically. Uh, on a $5 money line bet. And there's much more than that going on at FanDuel.com. Uh, check back on the website every once in a while because they have all kinds of cool promos like this that like cycle through. But you can find player props, over-unders, wacky parlays, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, everything. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get moving on that grambling in the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So I'm not one to complain about stuff without offering a solution. I think that's an important thing. And again, problem solving is, is a life skill, right? And part of problem solving is diagnosing and, and identifying where the issue lies. I think we've done that. So now the next step is what do we do? How do we solve that problem? So if the issue is Dobbs is not consistent in his rhythm and timing, it is disrupting the trust that the head coach has in him, and therefore it is a kind of coaxing the Vikings into making suboptimal decisions in a vacuum, like running on second and 10, right? In a vacuum, that's a suboptimal thing, but they might feel like they have to because of who's at quarterback. So if that's where we're at, Two ways you can go with this. One, get the dude out of there. If you trust somebody else more, start him, and now the problem has gone away. Not a lot to discuss about that, and again, we went into it in a lot of detail on yesterday's Locked On Vikings on the Patreon piece in the Wide Left article. Uh, for my money, I go with Jaron Hall, but that's 
just me and I'm super willing to listen to reasonings for otherwise. I don't think this is an easy decision at all. I think the only people who are wrong about this are the ones who, who are saying that it is easy. Um, but let's say that they do go with Dobbs and they say, no, we're going to, we're going to stick with Josh Dobbs and we're going to, we're going to tailor the offense around him and mold things around his skill set. I think I'm paraphrasing, but I think that was about the wording that O'Connell used when he was asked about that. Um, you know, maybe switching things up on offense a little bit so that it fits Josh Dobbs a little better. Look, Cousins, remarkably consistent drop back passer when it comes to mechanics. That's kind of the draw of him is that his drop back will hit the same depth every time, the exact same millisecond every single time. And that's so reliable. And the consistency of that, taking that variable out of the equation entirely, allows you to do a lot of fancier stuff downfield. Well, we don't have that consistency to rely on anymore. And so those drop back, let's show them 25 plays kind of stuff, that's not where we can get that variety anymore. Now, I still need variety. I'm not saying let's run zone read 30 times. Um, but QB running is a way to get variety. And honestly, if I'm going to look at a team that has done a good job of that in the last couple couple weeks, it's the Bears. I don't think they've gone to it enough. And I think the perimeter screen thing was a terrible idea. But when they have run Justin Fields, it has looked like a different look all the time. Um, we can also steal from the Lions a little bit on this. I think Ben Johnson does a really good job of... Um, relying on the run game, and it's not Jared Goff runs or anything like that, but relying on the run game and still having variety. Where I will say the Vikings have done a really poor job of having variety is in the run game. There is a lot of just let's do zone with a with a lead blocker, and whether that's force or Mike or uh, or weak, which is all just zone to the strong side, and those words just tell the fullback, which is he either going to the outside, finding the Mike linebacker, finding the weak side linebacker. So that family of play calls is like really, really, really common in this, this offense too common, I think. And it's, um, the, the spice that they'll put on it is like motion going either strong side to weak side or weak side to strong side, which might cause the defense to shift. And that might confuse the offensive line as much as it confuses the defense. Right. Um, and it's not really variety anyways. It's just like, yeah, sometimes they use motion on it, I guess. I want to see more gap scheme stuff. I want to see the quarterback get involved. And I want to see the quarterback on sweeps, the quarterback on um, veer, which is your kind of classic read option that you might be familiar with uh, from the, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, the RG three days back, you know, a decade ago um, when that was, you know, all the rage and the newest thing in the world. Let's get some of that stuff involved. And instead of relying, like the biggest impact that we get from Dobbs's legs right now is when he's under pressure, right? And that's not always going to be a great angle. O'Connell talked about this on Tuesday. Sometimes, and I super agree with this, and I'm super annoyed by it. When Dobbs feels pressure, his instinct is to go backwards is to try to get back out past his tackle around the edge rusher and then break contain that way really long path to go and guess what some of these dudes are fast so they'll chase you down uh the, there's a really really nasty one in the end of the broncos game of of that where they ended up in like a fourth and 25 because they lost so many yards doing that and you get intentional groundings and he barely gets the ball away and it's it's ugly right so instead of making it well if you want your legs to have impact you sort of need the defense to screw up their rush lanes and what if they don't well now the legs can't have impact let's force that issue 
and put Josh Dobbs in a situation where his legs actually have a good opportunity to make something happen. That's the philosophy of QB running. Not to mention all the impacts that it can have sort of indirectly on the actual straight-up running game, on the passing game, because it changes the way that the defensive line pass rushes, which might buy you more time. Um, You can incorporate sprint outs and moving pockets, which will change the routes that people are running. And crucially, all of that stuff reduces the impact of rhythm and timing. Because if they have a quarterback run to worry about and they're spying or they're, you know, rushing contain, every tiny little millisecond of inconsistency is no longer punished in the same way because they're kind of waiting for something to happen to react to it when they've got like more stuff to read or they're just playing slower because they're reading stuff out. Um, They'll give you a little bit more leeway to do this drop back a little slower or a little faster and it won't be so crazy. I think if you're going to stick with Dobbs, to me, that's the best answer. And I don't really necessarily even mean bootlegs. I like the bootlegs. I think they're good with Dobbs, right? Like he's fast, but everybody's got their plan for a bootleg. If you run a million bootlegs, you will get figured out in this league. It has been around for too long as the main weapon of choice for guys like Sean McVay and all of his little offshoots, us included. Um, that every defense has their answer to it. And that's going to get your quarterback hit a lot, right? Especially if you do it without a blocker. Uh, if it's, it's, it's not necessarily my favorite way to incorporate variety. I like a few of them a game, but I don't need to rely on it super heavily, but I like a sprint out where you don't, don't even necessarily need to run fake. Just move that pocket a little bit, um, and get Dobbs on the move where he can be a little bit more comfortable. And some quarterbacks, they will do that for, just because they like throwing on the move a little bit better than they like winding up and throwing from a flat base, just because they did that a lot in college or whatever. Um, Sometimes I think that's a little bit crazy, but shoot, like if that's what he's comfortable doing, that's what he's comfortable doing. But tailoring that to him can pay off all these little dividends. Or you say, let's not change everything in the middle of the season, and let's just go with the guy who's been here and stop living like this with, you know, this, this world where, the rhythm is and timing is off and the guy's never had any reps and we've got all the excuses in the world for why this is bad, but we don't have excuses for why that guy's still in it. So final conclusion. Yeah, there's some problems here with the play calling. Let's figure them out. Um, situationally, I don't think that he's going to change much about that. I kind of already mentioned that, but there's, there's our three pillars. Let's look at them. Um, tomorrow on the show, I don't think we're going to do like bold predictions or anything on the buy. We'll chill out. We'll, we'll talk about the defense hopefully because I haven't really gotten to them at all. I'll see y'all for that, and as always, skull.